Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it's time to bring the orange yet again with today's special guest, Roger Weeks, one of our technical marketing engineers. And you're you're in the Pure One group. Is that is that correct? I am. I'm on the Pure One product team, as I like to call it. Now. Product team. Yes. Got it. Okay. Well, welcome to the program. Great Thank to you. have you here. Absolutely. We were chatting over dinner at Accelerate, and you, uh, you had an idea to come in. And talk about, uh, I love these these uh, sort of clickbaity topics, right? The the top 10 things that you didn't know about Pure One, or maybe that you didn't know, Yeah, right? a lot of that came out of conversations with customers where they didn't realize that Pure One can do things that I sort of took for granted. Uh-huh. So that's where this came from. Which is good. So we're going to get to that eventually. And again, some of these, as you're listening, uh, you may already have known, but it's our hope that there's a good majority of these things that Roger's going to go into that uh, that maybe you didn't know, and that if you are a current pure user, you can take advantage of. And if you are not yet a current pure user... Shame on you. Yes. Know that those are things that, uh, that in the future um, that you can take advantage of. Um, tell me about a technical marketing engineer. What do you guys do? Or gals. This is what do you the guys and gals worst do? title in all of you know, you're not a fan. You're not a fan Valley. of no, this No, it's title, a terrible title because right? it doesn't tell you anything about well, what I do. Well, it has technical. It has it, marketing. It has engineer. It, it has sort of orthogonal But on a things. given day, I might not be doing any of those things. Right. It's, um, it's a really good catch-all for people that have a technical background but also communicate. Okay. So a TME at most Silicon Valley companies is someone who has an engineering or an IT background but can also make slides and talk to people about Articulate them. Articulate yes. ideas. Mm-hmm. And finding people that can do all of those things is sometimes very difficult. Microsoft calls us technical product managers, okay. which is a little bit more focused. But a TME at any Silicon Valley company will be doing everything from, I work in a lab all day and write white papers about how X integrates with Y, yep. to I go to EBCs and present to CIOs all day. So it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. At Pier One, about half my job is product management, and the other half is working with SEs in our field and our customers to better understand what they want us to do and what their needs are. But you're kind of bi-directional. Yeah. I mean, you are still you're you're hitting engineering Absolutely. and telling them requirements you're hearing, but then you're also communicating out all the great things that yes. you know that the that the engineers are working on yeah. that you guys have collaborated on developing. And that's why I call it a product team because all of us do roughly the same job, even though we have different titles. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. How long have you been at Pure? Tell me, tell, tell me about your Seven time. Seven months. Here. Seven months. Yes, okay. I'm a relative newbie. Interesting observations in that time here. This is a great company. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy working here. It's the culture here is definitely different than any place I've ever worked at, and that is definitely a good thing. Um, I've worked in storage for a while now, and so I I have been around companies that do things the regular way, and we definitely don't do things the regular way here, which is makes it fun the regular way being a positive thing or i mean it it could be a negative thing it's just that when you when you have an idea here you're given free reign to go run with it and see where it goes and that is not typical in a lot of companies i've worked at well that's culturally one of the things that that you know we're allowed the freedom to yeah you know bring things up and try and and to be successful industry that is unusual Yeah. yeah like maybe not in the larger tech industry but in the storage industry it's uh, very formal in processes sometimes. Yeah. How much time did you have in the storage industry? 12 years 12 and then years? a long career in IT before that. Okay. So, so you were on the other side. You were yes. running You were running the stuff yeah, as I've, well. Yeah, I've been a customer. I've been at companies that make the stuff now, and then I've also been at partners that resell the stuff. So I've been on all corners of the triangle. 
And is this where you like to be? In yeah, this kind of I, place? Like, I like the product you're side of things. It, product stuff. It's always yeah. fun. To, it's always fun to uh, to be close to that. What's the Pure One team like? What's the, is the culture of Pure pretty pervasive there? Is it still kind of startup-y? Uh, it is know? kind of in that, you know, we are the cloud-facing side of the company. Mm-hmm. So we're doing agile development. We're doing things where we are we have CI/CD code pushes every day. Um, and obviously the Flash Array and Flashblade folks are not that agile, not because of they don't want to, but because building a storage appliance is necessarily a very different way to do things. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's nice to be in the storage industry, but also on an adjacent piece that doesn't necessarily have longer lead times. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. In, uh, we'll shift gears a little. In about 20 or 25 words, what would you tell a prospect around what Pure One does? what it can do for them. Where is your data mm-hmm. and what is your data doing and when do you need more space for your data? Okay. Those are three things that historically have been very hard to figure out. Yeah, and I was going to I was going to ask, you know, what historically have other vendors done relative to those basic questions? Yeah, I mean, know, if you look at the if you look at the storage industry, a lot of what happened over the past 20 years is we'll give you a tool to set up your array we might give you another tool that tells you what capacity is used on your set of arrays, but we don't tell you what to do about it. Yeah. Our sales team will come and tell you what to do about it, which is buy more arrays. Buy more arrays. Right. That's not the focus of Pier 1. The focus of Pier 1 is how can I best use the capacity and performance I've got? Can I fit more stuff on this array? And if not, what should I do about it? And that's some of the focus of the tools we've been introducing over the past year or so. So it's kind of the difference between the what and the why, really, if you look at it, right? Because the what's pretty easy, right? You can dig into a system and go, oh, yeah, I see all these various things and what's happening. But then the why is kind of, okay, what's going to happen if I do this exactly. in the future help me understand which is kind of where the where the business comes and you you've been on the other side did you experience directly using some of those other tools oh, absolutely. And, and have frustration absolutely you, when you're monitoring something that is critical to the business and you run out of performance unexpectedly which happens a lot yeah what do you do right right how do you determine where that's even coming from especially if it's on a large sand and one of your applications is now dead yeah well why is it dead I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You got the what? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> but I, not the why. I definitely spent some late nights troubleshooting that kind of problem. Yeah. So it's it's something that in, even in the cloud world is a huge problem, which is what's my application doing? Yeah. And it becomes more complicated when it's distributed. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, it's always fun to see where you sat on the other side and actually had to go through the real pains, which yes. leads you to the ability to kind of go, okay, well, let me think about this a little bit differently. And, you know, maybe this is a feature that we need to include yeah. um, for for a user. Um, to, what, to what extent, uh, you know, we talk about AI and the ability to look at all the data and do mach- apply machine learning things. To what extent does that play a big role in what we do with Pure One? Is that, is it's, that the heart of it? or it's, it's not only the heart of it, yeah. it's huge because we have... 18,000 plus arrays that send phone home data to Pier 1. It's a ridiculous amount of data that we can then use to build patterns and make decisions about, should we alert this customer to the fact that they're going to run out of space? Mm-hmm. Well, probably. Right. Like, how far ahead can we do that, right? And then how can we take that and say, here's some simulations for you to run to push it out a year and say, when am I going to run out of space? When am I going to run out of performance based on the workloads that I've already got running on my systems? Um, and we're adding stuff to that that we can talk about too, which is what happens if I know I need a new array, 
what workloads do I move to that array so that mm -hmm. I can balance my workloads on my existing set of arrays? Yeah. It's not just, hey, you're going to run out of space. You need to buy more storage. It's what are the possibilities if I shift apps or workloads exactly. around? What is that going to free up to my existing capacity? Exactly. Which is kind of interesting. And going forward, giving recommendations on you might save space if you move stuff over here. Yeah. Or you might save a lot of money if you move your DR to this thing in the cloud. What level, to what extent is that user intervention that has to go through those scenarios? Are these things that we're automating? You know, we're saying here's, you know, boop, it pops up and goes, here's some things you may want to consider. Or is there still kind of a user intervention that needs to go in and like play with this? It's scenarios? kind of a crawl, walk, run sort of thing. I see. So okay. giving people the knowledge that something might be wrong yeah. to alerting them that something is wrong to letting us say, let us fix this thing for you that's wrong. Yeah. So that's a journey that we're on. Uh, getting to the last thing where we can actively make a change on the array from Pure One is not something I could do tomorrow. Tomorrow, right, but it's definitely something we'd like to be able to offer the customers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the other thing that's interesting when, when you mentioned the eighteen thousand arrays and that you know the data that you pull back from that. Um, I, I was doing a, a pod with Justin Warren from Pivot Nine. Um, actually, just went just went live the other day, uh, and he said amazing. Hi, Justin. Uh, yes, <laughs> and he said amazing amount of trust that customers have to supply that back in, but Ab they, they they get value. Absolutely, it, right? and you know we do have customers that don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, internally we call them dark side customers because for security reasons or operational reasons or sometimes government policy reasons, they can't let their arrays communicate with the outside world. And we don't have the ability to apply the machine learning capabilities to them. We have an on-premises solution we can offer them, right. but it doesn't have all of the capabilities that the cloud does. Yeah. And that's the trade-off. And that's okay. I, I want to make sure people understood there was, you know, there was a choice, right? Yeah. This is not something yeah, that we're forcing you into, but no, it is entirely voluntary. It is a it is a possibility. What is after seven months? What is your favorite thing about Pure One? It's a hard one when I do these superlative questions, but <laughs> honestly, at Accelerate, it's the number of people that walked up and just said, "I love Pure One. We use it every day." Yeah, you know, and then we get people come up and say, "Why can't I use Pure One to manage my other stuff too?" Well, we should talk to you about yeah, that. What but, you, yeah, what do you um, want to do? Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's just that we have happy customers who rely on us for knowing what's going on in their infrastructure. Yeah, I love uh, my favorite is when they they come up and show you the show you the app, right? Oh, oh yeah, I don't want to give away some oh, of the top oh, no, ten no. things. Can't do I don't that. want to give ahead, but you know when you're sitting at a trade show and somebody <laughs> comes up, and even if they're not in a storage role, right? They're a different. Oh, absolutely. They're a different part of the. It's like a DBA, or it's even an, you know somebody that's running one of the one of the big applications like an ERP, and they come up and go, "Hey, here's you know we're running this. Yeah. This, this is how it's running. I can look in and see the performance, um, you know, without having to go call anybody or or bug anything. All exactly. right, let's get to the meat of this, which will be fun. So, with apologies to David Letterman, we should have found the music. Uh, well, we can maybe still put that in That's the cool. bumper in the beginning. Okay. Right? But there'll probably be some kind of licensing. Legally, legally give me hassle for that. We are going to do the top 10 things that you may not have known about Pure One. And we did debate. Do we do you know one through 10 or countdown? We're going to go ahead and do a countdown. We'll do a countdown. Let's do, it. Let's do a 10 down to one. Kicking it off with number 10, uh, let's talk about filtering. How is information filtered? Can we do that everywhere? How easy is it? What, you know, talk about that. Absolutely. So at the top of the screen in every pure one window, you're going to see a bar that just is blank and says filter. Mm -hmm. And you can start typing anything you want in that bar. You will get a drop-down menu of things you can filter by. So in a typical view, you can filter by appliance type, appliance name, tags, volume names, all sorts of data that we already have. And if you have a lot of machines, 
filtering that by volumes might be really interesting because if you're looking for a specific volume name, then you get a list of volumes and you can click on it and sort. And we'll get to the sorting in a minute. Um, the interesting thing about the filter is once you have one, you'll see the URL at the top change. Hmm. You can bookmark that URL and it will take you back to that exact window with that filter applied. Uh, so you can create a library of bookmarks for just yes. commonly used Yeah, so I need to look doing. at my five flash blades right. and see what they're doing. Here's the performance window with the flash blades on them. So it's really a, it's a convenience and efficiency thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's more speed in trying to diagnose and look at what's exactly. going on. Exactly. It's not global search, but it's global filtering, which is almost as powerful. Right, right. Okay. Awesome. Good um, kickoff there on number 10. Number nine, we're going to look at um, arranging content provided by Pure One. So exactly. What, what kind of sorting can you do? Because there's a lot of content, right? If we're talking about 18,000 arrays, there is a lot stuff, of stuff. There's a lot of things that you can present. One of my favorite things is your default view when you log into Pure One is the appliances tab that shows you all of your arrays. You can actually change that view to an expanded view or a list view. There are icons up on the upper right-hand side. And if you change to the list view, everything in that list is sortable by column. So I'm looking at our list of internal arrays, and I went to that view and clicked on full, and now I see which of my arrays are the most full. Hmm. Super useful, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this applies to pretty much anything that's displayed in columns or tabs anywhere in Pier 1. So performance, capacity, uh, planning output, you can sort any of those, and you'll just see a little red up and down arrow on the right-hand side. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but it's not always obvious that you can do that with a page. Every page has that. Fantastic. Very powerful. Definitely. Powerful type of stuff. Um, even in the, the VMs. Yes. In the VM space, yeah, even right? in the, the VM, VM analytics space, VM all of that stuff, right? you can sort by anything in that view. Okay. So extending into, into, the, uh, into the stack as well. Yep. All right. Uh, I feel like we should have a drum roll in between all these, right? <laughs> Wasn't there a drum roll, right? Uh, number put that, eight. Put that in in post. Put a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, uh, what about a super user tip for as part, as part of the content? You can graph, right? You can graph things. So what, Absolutely. what are some tips you would provide for folks that, that love graphing? And this was a customer conversation in the booth at Accelerate for Pier 1 when someone came up and said, you know, the graphs in the performance page are awesome. I would really love to be able to zoom in on them. And my answer was, you can. And they said, what? And so we pulled up the window. Uh -huh. And you go to the latency graph, drag your arrow across the window, highlight an area, and it zooms to that graph. And the guy said, oh. And I said, isn't that cool? Because you can zoom down to like less than five minutes of latency on the whole graph. So it's super useful. I, I know there was a problem there, and I know there was an issue going on. When did it happen? Maybe I can help troubleshoot that on the way back to my application. Yeah. Now you know where the latency popped yeah, up. Yeah, and you've got to diagnose things over the period of time. when that You can't just take a big, giant time slice of 24 hours and try to, you know. Exactly. You've got to hone in on that yeah. five minutes or that on, one hour where it was like, oh, what wasn't running right? Something was a little slow here, right? Yeah, and it works on any graph that we display. Okay. All right, that's a good tip. So just click and click and drag. Click and drag, and you'll get a highlight, and it'll it'll automatically expand to that highlight. All right, super user tip for everybody out there. Um, number seven. So everything we do um, out there seems to be as a service and you know cloud based now. Cloud's kind of the marketing term for it, but yep. let's use let's use as a service. But what are we doing about that in Pure One to uh, to to make things uh, more as a service connected? Obviously, if you have a flash array or a flash blade, you probably know that there's a REST API for the device, and mm -hmm. that is super useful. Pier 1 also has a REST API. 
Um, so if you want information on all of your fleet, if you want the capacity, if you want the performance details, if you want to pull all of this and stick it in Power BI or SAS Visual Analytics or Grafana or whatever the tool is of your choice, there's a huge amount of data that you can pull out of Pier 1 via API and visualize it however you want. Um, so if we don't have the graph that you need, it's very easy to build a graph that you need based on our data. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of code examples available at code.peerstorage.com. And we have a pretty in-depth tutorial on also how to use the Python SDK for talking to the API. So if you know APIs, it's dead easy. And there's a developer community you yep. mentioned. Uh, there is a developer we community. about this on Slack, right? Yep. That you can that you can connect uh, Community.peerstorage.com. Okay, fantastic. Yep. So now you know where to go, and you know that it is uh, REST API ready for you. Um, number six. So we know that... Um, kind of one of the big challenges, and we were talking about this earlier in the pod, right, which is the what if, yeah, right? Sort of what if scenarios, maybe it's seasonality, or maybe it's just not understanding, you know, maybe the rate at which you're bringing on data, right? You just, it's hard to measure, yeah. right? It's hard to think. Um, so Pure One, great answer for that, right? Absolutely. And this is something we've, we've had part of this for a little while, which is the ability to say, if I have this array and I want to upgrade to this array, what is my performance and capacity delta going to be? Something we introduced this summer is called the Workload Planner, and it's literally on the left-hand side says planning. This will let you look at uh, your existing arrays in, in a view that basically says, here's the highest load and the highest capacity used in your set of arrays. And if you click on any of those arrays, you can then simulate a new workload on that array, which is, I want to double the size of the workload on a set of volumes on the array. I want to clone some volumes on the array. I want to migrate some of that workload to another array. And then you get an output that shows you what's the delta between what you're doing now and the output of the simulation. The nice thing about that is you can save the simulation and go back six months later and say, well, now I'm really out of space. Um, and we've also already had customers call us up with the output of the simulation and say, I'm going to need a data pack or I'm going to need to upgrade. Yeah in the next three months, let's get that quote in process. So you can almost bookmark it, really. Yeah. I mean, if we're using kind of, you know, web-based terms, yeah. you know, like you just bookmark it and come back later and yep. run the same thing against it and see what's maybe changed. And it's super useful for anyone who knows their history and knows that they're going to be adding workloads. We will definitely be adding things to this tool. Okay. Um, some of the stuff that's in process right now that I can talk about for certain is, let me simulate what it looks like if I add a new array to that list. Okay. So here's my workload and I know it's not gonna fit on my current set of arrays. What happens if I add a new array to this list and then simulate the workload on that? And different array types, yep. right? It doesn't have to be the same one that Correct. we're using right now. Okay. So great versatility. Yeah, um, it that is. one's a huge business value. It right? is super you know, useful. That, that, that one gets people out of a lot of potentially sticky jams, I yes. think, too, which is a good thing. Um, so number five, for the folks that like uh, to go study things uh, on their own or even to uh, heaven forbid, print out and, yes. <laughs> and review on paper. How do, how do folks take information and go offline? What, what do they do for that? So a couple things in the performance and capacity sections up here one today, you can, uh, again, use the filters, mm -hmm. get down to the set of things that you want to report on and then download a, a PDF or an XLS report. I don't know, is it CSV? Some sort of tabular report. Something that, that will you can, be spreadsheety. Yes, yes, something you can put into a spreadsheet or again, input in those other tools. Um, we're looking at adding more business-friendly canned reports as well. That's something that, that I think you'll see from us in the next uh, while. Okay. Um, and then, but to go back to say the APIs again, we've got all of that data in APIs. So if you have a reporting tool that you use, getting data from the APIs into that reporting tool should be one of the easiest ways to generate the reports you want. Yeah, as you already mentioned earlier, yep. right? Good mechanisms for that. 
All right. Uh, we are now at number four. Um, let's talk about, and I already gave this one away earlier because it's my favorite thing, but let's talk about helping people go mobile and not have to always be near their equipment or near their data center or to be able to have the peace of mind to check things yeah. uh, really quickly when they're traveling or when they're at home. The mobile dinner. app is really cool. Um, yeah. It's available for Android and iOS. Okay. Um, we launched a update to it right around the time of Accelerate, actually, um, that lets you enable a feature we have called Remote Assist. So mm -hmm. if you are a peer customer and you have an open support case and our support team needs to do some troubleshooting on your array, there's a feature in Flash Array and FlashBlade called Remote Assist. It's a remote connection session. Typically, you have to go to the array, log in, approve that request, and then close it when you're done. We added that ability to do that to the mobile app. There's a couple of caveats. We are not talking directly to your array with our mobile app. Mm -hmm. You still have to have network access to your flash array from okay. your phone. So that either means you're at work on your on your wireless network or you're on a VPN that has access to that flash array and you still have to have the credentials to log in. But if you've got both of those things and you're on the beach and you need to do some troubleshooting, it makes things a little bit easier for you. Yeah. Uh, the app itself has a lot of useful information about all of your peer storage products on it. Uh, it's not as in-depth as the web UI. It doesn't have VM analytics on it. Of course, it doesn't have the workload planner, but it does have all of the health and performance and capacity details about all of your stuff. Yeah, it's enough if you just need to be away. And yeah. I always position this when people ask me what I always talk about is like, these are things that let you spend more time with your family or spend time doing the things that you want to be doing and not just be tethered. Absolutely, you know, to, and to we have operations people that use it and we have CIOs and VPs of IT that have it in their pocket just as a peace of mind thing. Yeah, just to go check, just yep. to, to, you know, the array's running, yep, the arrays are running, right? That's a good thing. I love the app, check out the app if you, uh, if you haven't done that already. Um, number three, let's talk about how users, read my notes here, can view their topography, what is connected where, and I think we're kind of alluding to a little bit VM analytics, but a little I mean, bit more I mean, extensive than that, right? Some of the things we've done in the past year have included visualization. So the VM mm -hmm. analytics view is definitely one of those, which lets you see everything from the arrays all the way down to the V disks in your, in your um, virtualized infrastructure. Um, something we introduced earlier this year for a very specific support reason for us was the map view, hmm. which is we sold you a bunch of arrays. They got shipped to a loading dock in Wichita. And then those arrays got sent to data center somewhere else. And then a year or two later, we had a support case open where we had to replace a part. And we sent that part to Wichita because that's the address we had on file. That was <laughs> This is a difficult problem, right? Yeah. So we actually brought up the map view so that any customer can click on it and say, here are my arrays. Oh, that physical address is wrong. Yeah. So I can change that address, and then it updates our addresses in Salesforce so we know where to help you when we need to send you things. And speed up the time to... Time problem, to fix things. Problem resolution. Exactly. Right, right. Um, over the next year, I would expect other overlays to show up on that map view. I don't know that I can talk about any of them specifically, but okay. if you think about how Google Maps has street view and it has satellite view and it has the regular view and it has the traffic view, there are some other things we could visualize on that view that I think would be very helpful to customers. Awesome. And kind of closely related for number two here, I think there, there's been some recent releases around... Um, functionality to make managing arrays easier, more granular, if you will, yes. or excluding certain things that maybe you don't need to look at. What, what, what was that all about? Exactly. So earlier this year, we launched a product called, well, not a product, a capability in the product called Views. 
And views lets you do a couple of things. It lets you, you could already create tags for anything in Pure One. So you can tag an array with any arbitrary number of tags with whatever metadata you want. It could be location, it could be application, it could be a business unit. Views lets you take those tags and define a view. So if you defined a bunch of geographical tags as these are my five arrays in Germany, and then you create a view that says Germany, then you can assign that view to a user in Pier 1. And when that user logs in in Pier 1, that's the view they see. They see those five arrays. They see the support cases and notifications for those arrays. They don't see the other 20 things you have in China or somewhere so you're else. Just eliminating the potential noise and or confusion. Eliminating right? noise, eliminating yeah. confusion, yeah. allowing you to very specifically say, these are the things you're responsible for. Um, this is also really useful for service providers where they can give the customer a view of the flash arrays that are in the service provider's data center. Yeah. but not the other 25 arrays that the service provider has that are going to other customers. So it's not true multi-tenancy, but it is the ability to restrict the view that you're seeing. Critically, this also applies to VM analytics. So if you only want your VM admins to see the arrays that have VMware volumes on them, you can assign a view to them and restrict their VM analytics view as well, which is, again, useful. You don't necessarily need them to see your stuff that has SQL or bare metal things on it because that's not their job. Yeah. Oh, and I just think that removes some of the human error from the element potentially. Too. Absolutely. Just messing with something that's not yours to to mess with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we're down to number one here. Ding, ding, and ding, ding. yeah, ding, ding, ding. And and much like in uh, in Letterman top ten fashion, it's 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 a quick, you know, it was always a quick one, right? That it's a quick came, one, but this this surprised quickly. me more than anything really? else at Accelerate Which because we saved it for last. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the ability to interface with external identity providers. So if you have any cloud applications at your company, you're probably using some kind of single sign-on to log into mm -hmm. them. Here at Peer, we use Okta. Yeah. It's very typical external identity provider. Peer One supports any SAML 2.0 external identity providers. So if you don't want to manage users in our internal tool, which relies on Salesforce as the identity provider, and you have an external identity provider, or you rely on ADFS because you're using Azure, you can set that up. It's very simple. There's a knowledge base on the support site. Five steps and you're done. I bet there's a lot of folks who are not aware of this. There too, are a lot of folks right? that are not aware of this, yeah. and people kept coming and asking me about it. And I said, well, yeah, we do that. And we have just apparently not been very good at talking about it. So if you need to manage your own authentication, and I suspect that most of you that have big companies do, this is the way to do it. Awesome. Hey, you made it through. Yay. You made it through. You did well. And, uh, and we kind of covered all this without really going into a lot of depth around VM analytics, which is kind of one of the new shiny things there. Absolutely. But just a blatant plug for folks. If you uh, haven't checked it out, I think I recorded with, with Stan Yanitsky maybe five or six months ago on VM analytics. And that pod is still out in the library. So if you want to dive deeper into that, if you're using virtualization or you're um, you know, tied to some, you know, somebody that's using virtualization. Anything else? You know, you kind of did this throughout where you hinted at things coming. So yeah. that's that's great. And I, I, I don't want to, you know, force people to do roadmappy things that get us in trouble. But you kind of alluded to some things that are coming. There's yeah, no, I, I think uh, right? we will definitely be having more of the recommendations and predictions uh, coming in this future year. We will definitely be taking Pier One into more of an enterprise use case. Yeah. Um, and also looking at ways we can support the whole modern data experience next 10 years of Pure right. 
in ways where we can build foundations for consuming data in new and interesting ways. What's a good way for folks to give you feedback? I imagine a lot of the feature requests or, hey, can you do this kind of things have to filter in to you guys some way. Usually through your peer account team. Okay. Yeah. They'll, okay. They can file an RFE or yeah. they can get a hold of us directly. Okay. Because I think that's probably the most interesting place where you hear ideas about, hey, can it do this? Yep. You guys go, oh, no, we didn't think about that. We yeah. should go do that. Absolutely. Awesome. Hey, well, this is a blast. Thanks. Thank you so much for uh, for coming in. Uh, Roger Weeks, everybody. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, go out and check out Pure One. We do have a vanity URL set up for that. So www.purestorage.com slash pure one. And thanks for listening. Thanks for telling colleagues. We will keep pumping the episodes out and bringing you uh, really cool topics like this one. This was a, this was a lot of fun to go through this uh, this top 10. Hope you enjoyed it as well. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Roger Weeks. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.